0: Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a covenant renewal worship service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. confession
1: this morning is taken from Proverbs 19, verse 3. The foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. The folly of a man destroys his ways. This much is self-evident. When fools are foolish their way is hard and they do it to themselves. It is their own foolishness that twists their way but this truth this simple rationality, this easy logic, logic, is not self-evident to the fool. He rejects the truth for a lie, and his heart frets against the Lord. This is a little more obscure. The Septuagint translates it this way, and he blames God in his heart. Another more common and probably the best translation would be, his heart rages against the Lord. In each of these, we get a sense of what's going on here. The fool is blind to his own stupidity. We know that the proverb says elsewhere that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's the basis on which he's foolish in the first place. He refuses to acknowledge that he must obey an absolute sovereign God. His disobedience is the definition of foolishness. But when that lands him in trouble, he's got no problem with fretting against and raging against or blaming the God that he refuses to believe in. We know he's a fool and he rages foolishly. One more thing, there but for the grace of God go I. Unless God came down and shook you and I out of our stupor, we would all be fools. We would be like Paul was before Jesus knocked him down to the ground with a blinding light and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. That's what we do in our foolishness. We kick against the goads, and it is painful. How stupid are we? How foolish are we? God is the one who made the universe, and he made us, and he made us, for a purpose, and that purpose is to worship Him in spirit and truth, and anything less than that is foolish. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins, so if you're willing to name it, please be Well, this morning our text is Galatians 3 verses 10 through 14, and we're going to start with verse 10. Now, first I want to talk a little bit about the structure of the text here. Um, If if you'll open your Bibles and look at at the verses. In verse 10 we read, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Um, So in in verse uh, verse 10 there we see that uh, the law and the curse are what we're talking about. In verse 2, we read about the law, I mean, sorry, in verse uh, 11, we read about the law and justification. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And then in verse 12, we, uh, we read about the law and faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Well then, that's the first half of the text. And then the second half of the text is verses 13 and 14, where we read about Christ and the curse in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. And in the beginning of verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So we have Christ and the blessing, which is justification. Uh, The justification is the blessing of Christ that the law doesn't provide. And then at the end of verse 14, we have um, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So we have Christ and faith. So what you'll see there is we have two parallel tiers here. We have the law and the curse, the law and the justification uh, and the the blessing and uh, the law and faith, and then we have Christ and the curse, and Christ and justification or the blessing, and Christ and faith. So let's look at, look at, let's look at the law now as we, uh, as we dive into this text. Verse 10 we read, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue, in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Paul quotes Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. Let me go there briefly. There we go. Cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now, if you listen carefully there, there Paul doesn't accurately quote the text. Verse 27 is: Cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law. But in verse in verse 10 of our text, he says cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law. So, why is Paul misquoting there? And I think he's doing it on purpose. And I think he's doing it on purpose is because he wants to reference not just Deuteronomy 27 verse 26, but Deut- Deuteronomy chapters 27 through 32. The the words, the book of the law, happen several times in this section of Deuteronomy. Um, And there's a point here. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So now, there's a question here. What is Paul saying about the law? Is the law a curse? For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse... But isn't the law grace? Isn't that a blessing from God? Isn't the covenant of God grace? How does how does this jive? Well, when we look at how the book of this law is used in this section of Deuteronomy, it becomes really clear. So let me let me read for you. And you shall okay. So he, uh, Moses is talking to the people about when they cross over the Jordan. He says. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God, and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings. You shall eat there. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong place. Uh, yes. Oh, you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. So he's writing the, the words of the law down. So this he's writing the words of the law and. And then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all, all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes which I command you today. So he's telling them to write the words of the law on the stones. And those stones are now going to be a witness against Israel when they fall away. This is an important theme here. Through here, as I'm going to be talking about the book of the law, if every time the words of the law are written down and it becomes a book or something that that is something that that's a testimony or a witness against Israel, it becomes a curse, because Moses is about to tell them that you're going to fail, you are not going to keep this law. So then we read in chapter 28, verse 61. Of Deuteronomy. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. The Septuagint actually has a variant reading of that that says every every sickness and every plague which is is written in the law and which is not written in the book of the law. Uh, So basically everything that's written on this book is going to come against you. This is a testimony against you. In chapter 29, verse 21, Moses says, And the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law. So that the children, the the coming generation of your children who rise up after you and the foreigner who comes from a far land would say, When they see the plagues of that land and the sickness which the Lord has laid on it, the whole land is... When they see that, they've got a witness about why this is the way that it is. They did not keep the words of the law. They did not keep the covenant. Chapter 30, verse 10. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, uh, he, he will bless them if they keep to the words of the of the book of the law. There is blessing there. and But then in chapter 31 verses 24 through 27, we have the, uh, the summation here. So it was, when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book, when they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? The book of this law is a testimony. The Torah, the first five books. This is Genesis through Deuteronomy. That's the law. That's the works of the law. This is the covenant by which God instituted the people of the Jews. They're Israelites. Why are they Israelites? Because they hold on to that book. They want to circumcise because they're Israelites. The promise had been given to Abraham and then Abraham's children. The promise comes through the law. The covenant comes through the law. The truth, the blessing of the Gentiles comes through the law. But the book of the law is a testimony. It's a witness and it's a pronunciation of the curses of the law. And it's both inevitable like we just read. Like Moses says, you are stiff-necked. You are rebellious. You will fall away. These curses will be you. You will live this out. It's inevitable, and when Paul's speaking here in Galatians, it's historical. The Jews had been constituted as a nation. God had blessed them in David and Solomon, and they turned away from their God. They turned away from their God to the false gods of the Egyptians and the Canaanites, and God wiped them out. He sent them into exile in Babylon. And even more than that, in the context of Galatians, this happened in AD 49, remember? Back when I was introducing the text. That was a mere 20 years before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Paul's telling the the Galatian Gentile Christians that if you want to tie yourself to the curse of the law, which is what Israel is currently under, What's going on right now, if you want to tie yourself to that, circumcise yourself. That's the way of the flesh, and God's about to destroy it. There is a, a number of times in the same section of Deuteronomy that the words of the law are mentioned. But the context of the words of the law is, is life. It's blessing. Blessing and life are in the words of the law. It's when those words are written down and become a book and become legalistic and become a rule by which I'm going to earn my salvation. That's when they become a curse. But the words of the law are a blessing. Deuteronomy 27 verse 3. You shall write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over. God says, I'm going to deliver you into this land. I'm going to give you a land that you did not work for, the cities you did not build. I'm going to give you all houses you did not build. He's going to pour blessing on them. And when he crosses over there, write the words of this law. Because that's how they did it, by faith. When they took down Jerusalem, or Jericho, they did it by faith. They marched around it seven times. The walls fell down. That's faith. That's not the Israelites doing it on their own. Of course, as soon as they did that, God says, write this down so you don't forget it. That's why we need a book. We we have the tendency to forget. In chapter 28, verse 58, we read. If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues. But if you do not observe the words of this law, the life is in the words. Observation of the words of the law is where life is. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. 29 verse 1, these are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab. In 29 verse 9, therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. 30 verse 10, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And in chapter 31, sorry, chapter 31, verse 12, gather the people together, men and women and little ones and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of the law. And finally, in chapter 32, verses 34 through 37 I'm sorry 44 through 47 this is right after Moses has finished singing his song Moses song and Moses song was a testimony like the law like the book of the law Moses song was a testimony again he taught them the song They, they were supposed to sing it it was part of their worship they memorized the song and the song is all about how they're going to fall away And yet Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. Moses finished speaking all these words to to all Israel, and he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe, all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess so Paul quotes a verse that uses the words of the law but he misquotes it and says the book of the law because he's bringing out that the law as a letter is death but the words of the law or life. In fact, Christ is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word is with God, and the word became God. Christ is the life in the words of the law. He's not in the book of the law. Not in trying to do what the outward stuff, the Juda, the Judaistic stuff, the, the, the way the Jews wanted to, to earn their salvation by doing Things by 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 circumcision by sacrifices. That's not where it is. It's in the promises. It's in faith in the promises of God, who doesn't, who promises not to impute their sin to them. Verse 11, we read, "But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith." Again, we have this, especially in our modern senses, a, a sense of inconsistency here. Paul is quoting the Old Testament and saying that the law is is not by faith. He's quoting the law of the prophets and he's saying the just shall live by faith. He quotes Habakkuk. The Habakkuk was in the Old Testament. Isn't that part of the, Jude- the, the Jews system? Isn't, in, isn't that in the Old Testament as well as Deuteronomy? Well the context here is critical. Habakkuk was ministering at the end of Judah's kingdom shortly before the Babylonians were to come and carry out the curses of the law. God is about to carry out his curses according to the law that we just discussed. But nevertheless, right after God says, I'm going to send this unrighteous nation to destroy Judah... And Habakkuk laments that. He says, How can you use an unrighteous nation to destroy your people? And God answers Habakkuk and he says, That is the only thing I can do if I'm going to be faithful to my word. I have to destroy them because they have broken covenant. Nevertheless, the just shall live by faith, there's still salvation. That's the whole point of faith. Faith is seeing something that isn't obvious. Here you have armies of Babylonians coming to wipe out the the, the Jews in Judah. And God's telling Habakkuk, before this happens, they're coming. They're going to wipe them out, wipe you out. They're going to wipe Judah out. And Habakkuk, being righteous, laments that. He loves God's people. But God says, the just will live by faith. Instead of inconsistency in Habakkuk, teaching that the just will live by faith, we have absolute consistency. The law demands that the Jews die. The law demands that the Jews go into exile because they have lied, because they have served false gods. Their circumcision demands their exile in Babylon in uh, Habakkuk 2 verses 15 and 16 we read this is God talking about what the Jews have done woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor pressing him to the to your bottle even to make him drunk that you may look on his nakedness you are filled with shame instead of glory you also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you, and utter shame will be on your glory. The Jews were circumcised in the flesh, but not in the heart. And it was their uncircumcision, their failure to keep the words of the law, that brought on the curses of the book of the law. So no one is justified by Torah. No one is justified by the fleshly observance of the law. Old Testament saints were saved, but like Abraham, it was by faith, always by the words of the law and never by the letter. In verse 12, we read, yet the law is not of faith but the man who does them shall live by them. The law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So the law is not of faith, but he quotes Leviticus 18 verse 5 here, which reads, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. It's kind of obscure, if you ask me. I, mean, that, I, I read that. The law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. It's obscure. What does that mean? It's the most obscure passage that Paul's referenced yet. But it means that salvation through the law, if it is to be achieved, if you're going to gain salvation by the law, It's only possible by perfect obedience to the law. Romans 4 verse 4 says, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. If you've done the works of the law, then God owes you salvation. That was his covenant. He promised that. He said, do this and live. The man who does this shall live by them. So faith is not of the law. Works are of the law. The works of the law are of the law. And this is also the answer that the lawyer gets to how to inherit eternal life. In Luke 10, when the lawyer comes to Jesus, he says, how how do I I get saved? How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. What are they? And he says, well, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, he's a lawyer and he's trying to trip up Christ. So he says, well then, who's my neighbor? And that's when we get the story of the Good Samaritan. Likewise, the rich young ruler asks the same question. He says, how can I get eternal life? And the difficulty here is that perfect obedience is Impossible. Jesus told us something about a camel and a needle. You can't get a camel through the eye of a needle. It doesn't doesn't work. Only God can do it. Because God can do the impossible. The law is not of faith. The law is of works. And it's true also that that verse, Leviticus 18, is quoted in Nehemiah and Ezekiel. And and there it's very clear. I'll, I'll read real quick Ezekiel. Ezekiel 20, verse 11, and I gave them my statutes and showed them. I'm sorry. And I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments. Which if a man does, he shall live, live by them. And then in verse 13, yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they greatly defiled my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. And again in verse 21, notwithstanding, the children rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes and were not careful to observe my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. But they profaned my Sabbaths when I said I would pour out my fury on them and fulfill my anger against them in the wilderness. So, right there Ezekiel quotes it three times in a row every time it's that they didn't do what they were supposed to do that that curse of the law lies heavy upon Israel the curse is there it's not of faith so we read verse 13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us where it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that's a quote from Deuteronomy 21. Verse 23 Jesus Christ God's anointed has redeemed us from the condemnation of the curse since we could not bear the curse he became the curse for us so the law brings the curse, and Christ relieves us of it we know that he was cursed because Deuteronomy tells us that you're cursed if you hang on a tree. The curse of the Torah law was nailed to the tree, and Christ did it for a purpose, and it was effectual. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Christ had a purpose. The reason he took that curse was so that the gospel could be fulfilled. So that Jesus could be our salvation. So that Jesus could be our justification. So that Jesus could be the blessing of Abraham on the Gentiles. Uh, Genesis 12, 3, 18, verse 18, 22, verse 18, 26, verse 4, and 28, verse 14. All give the blessing of Abraham to Abraham. He gets it. 1, 2, 3, 4, four times, and then Jacob gets it again. The blessing of Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that is what Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Justification is The blessing of Abraham. And it does not come by the works of the law, but by Jesus Christ. In John 8, verse 56, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And the gospel that was preached to Abraham was a gospel for the Gentiles. We are not Jews by nationality. I don't think any of us are. Thus, Abraham's gospel is our blessing. It's for us. It's a blessing for the Gentiles. Jesus Christ is our salvation. And again, Christ is the word of life. And he is bound to us in his spirit by faith. Which brings us to the second half of verse 14. That we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. The spirit had been mightily promised in the Old Testament. Isaiah 32, verse 15. Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. Ezekiel 39, 29. And I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my Spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. Joel 2, 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. That's what Peter quotes at Pentecost. He said, "These people are not drunk, not the way you think they are. No, God has poured out His spirit on them. The old men and the young men and the, and, the, and your sons and daughters are prophesying. This is Joel is fulfilled here. Zechariah 12 verse 10. In that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem." The one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. I'm sorry. Jesus, I am in the wrong place. No, I'm not. Jesus became a curse so that the gospel could be accomplished and we can have the spirit of life by faith. the curse we have a conundrum about the curse in Galatians 3 verse 10 we read for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse for it is written cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them and in verse 13 we read Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and Jesus was the only person who fulfilled the requirements quoted in verse 10 He's the only one who continued in all the things that were written in the book of the law. He's the only one who earned salvation. If you could earn it. And yet, while he was not cursed, because he didn't deserve the curse, he became the curse. How does that happen? The only way it happens is because God has a purpose in this. God wanted to intervene on our behalf and redeem us from the curse. So he did. Romans states it a little more simply. Verses 8, Chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The curse that Adam brought upon us has always been beyond our ability to avert, to pay for it. Ever since Adam, we've all been under the condemnation of the curse. And the key to the answer that God gives us is in the spirit, flesh, divide. This this reminds us of Galatians 3, verses 2 and 3, which we covered a couple weeks ago or last week. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? I'm sorry. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or the hanging of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? In the flesh, we are under the curse. In the Spirit, we're set free from the curse. The Gospel is available only in the Spirit. If there's anything upon which you place your trust outside of Jesus Christ you are placing yourself under the curse the curse of the law I've, I've known people that when you ask them if they're going to go to heaven when they die they'd say something like this I hope so I lived a good life or at least I tried to And wrong answer. There's no justification in the flesh. Not by anything I've done. Jesus did it. There's your answer. Put your faith in Him. Mortify your flesh. Nail it to the tree. Because Jesus is the only way. The blessing of Abraham, justification. We read that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God, verse 11, but the blessing of Abraham, the gospel, comes upon Gentiles in Christ Jesus, verse 14. The blessing of the nations is the gospel which Abraham believed. Like Paul said before in chapter 1, God intervened. God intervened and he brought good news to Abraham, to Paul, and to you, and to me. We have a free and a complete redemption in Jesus Christ. So the law does not justify anyone, but the blessing of Christ is st- of Abraham is still ours in Christ. So does Christ then nullify the law? does he just toss it out? That seems like a reasonable question. Well Paul answers it, he says no, Christ fulfills the law. It's all in Romans. The law is good. The law is full of grace. And while the letter of the law strangles and kills, the words of the law are true and life-giving. God knows how to get blood out of a rock. He turns our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh so that we can look at the law, the book of the law, with the eyes of faith and proclaim, Wow, God, you are good! You are great on your law. I will meditate. Psalm 119 is all about how we love the law. We are to love God's law. law Love the word. This book is for you and for me. And it's full of good. It's full of truth. So study it. Do your devotions. Make that a priority in your life. Jesus says, do you love me? Then keep my commandments. The natural answer or question then is, is what are they, Lord? Well, here you go. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. The great commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Love the Lord with your mind. And that means we need to study His Word. We need to be people of the Word. I think we could add to the great commandment that we should love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our strength, and with all our mind, and at least a little bit of our time. Do your devotions. Take time out of your day and spend it with God. The gospel is this. Jesus justifies and the Gentiles are in the fold. Baptism is the new circumcision. Salvation is of Christ. And our membership in Christ is through baptism. And baptism gets us into the church. And the church is our lifeline to salvation. Christ has given us means by which to be connected to him. Baptism, the Lord's Supper. If you believe on Him and you are saved, but salvation also entails a life lived in obedience to His Word and submission to His will. And that life of obedience is only possible in the Spirit, which is bound to us by faith. The law is not of faith, but we receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If we want Christ, we must believe. We must come to see his work in the world through faith, with faith. It's the only way we can see it. It's invisible otherwise. As Christians, we are witnesses and bards for Christ. Let us sing his praises and his glory with hearts that beat strong and with voices that carry. And that means the only way we can do that is by looking at him in faith. We need to be certain of something that is not obvious. Faith sees what is not obvious, but it knows to be true what we cannot see. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understood, stand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Faith sees God, and we see the results of it. We get a whole list in Hebrews 11 of men and women of faith, saints of faith. They do things that are very visible, very powerful. The Heidel- Heidelberg Catechism number 21 says, True faith is not only a knowledge and conviction that everything God reveals in His Word is true. It is also a deep rooted assurance created in me by the holy spirit through the gospel that out of sheer grace earned for us by christ not only others but i too have had my sins forgiven have been made forever right with god and have been granted salvation if you know that if you know you're right with god if you have salvation then you don't have anything to fear in this world that will change your life James 1, 5 through 5-7 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. There's no room for doubt in faith. And Jesus put it this way. Matthew 21. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. So have faith. And I leave you with this pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray for Christ's kingdom. Pray for strength. Pray for your parents. Pray for your spouses. Pray for your children. Pray for your children's spouses. Pray when you get up. Pray when you eat. And when you sit down, pray, pray, pray. God is real, and He loves to give good gifts to His children. All you need to do is asked. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let's pray. He disciplines us because He loves us. He showers us with grace and mercy. As the years go by, by His grace, we start to understand the connections and the intricacies of creation and the complexities of relationships. Some of us become doctors and or engineers or plumbers or contractors or any number of professions. And God blesses us with homes and cars and children and spouses. The whole time, God is there watching over us and protecting us from the devil, the world, and ourselves. He grants us glory and opportunities to move mountains by walking in His ways. His grace is free and overwhelming. It is here at this table. Here it is that He feeds us and instructs us in how to be His body, the church. He's actively uniting us to himself so that we can be blessed yet again. He had to die to do this for us, but he did it anyway. And that is the gospel. Jesus died for you, so you can live for him. The for all of our baptized, and under the
0: authority of Christ, and the volume church. Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWinkle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.